now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. It's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and delighted to be here with you today. Ever since the advent of World Wide Web, access to information has opened our world to endless possibilities. It's also changed the rate at which we can communicate, the way we learn, and how we hold world leaders accountable. Through the lens of the internet, we have the ability to see for ourselves how other countries struggle with economic oppression, war, famine, natural disasters, and human rights violations. Often, it's a catalyst for change and a call to action. The more we know, the more power we have to solve perplexing problems around the world and here at home. And with all we know, it's hard to take for granted that we live in a country that has always championed democracy, human rights, free speech, education. It's not hard to imagine how it must feel to live in a country where such freedoms are forbidden, where war has ravaged families, or where access to basic necessities is just non-existent. While at the same time, be able to see how people on the other side of the world live without such hardship. I bring this up for a reason. In our country, we've been accustomed to open access to the World Wide Web, so many grassroots movements that were in the shadows before the technology era have found a platform online and through social media where they can become major movements instigating change. We've seen this with the cannabis movement. Two decades ago, there was no shortage of passion emanating from groups that were first to learn about the egregious injustice of prohibition But there was, however, a shortage of information aside from a few books. That has changed dramatically, and now there is no shortage of information about cannabis that's accessible to anyone with a desire to learn about it. That is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because we've learned about the potential of cannabis to cure complex medical conditions like epilepsy and cancer that were thought to be incurable. It's a curse because so many people who could benefit from its healing power have no legal access. Living in a state where medical marijuana is legal is a blessing for those who need the therapeutic relief of cannabis. And with all the amazing discoveries about ways in which cannabis is improving lives, it's difficult to imagine how frustrating it must be for those who could benefit from cannabis therapy to have zero legal access to it. It's particularly frustrating to have unfettered access to the truth while policymakers defend arcane laws that were founded on lies. There are powerful lobbies with financial resources to influence Congress, and they're spending millions to keep cannabis illegal. But we have something much more powerful if we choose to use it to our advantage. It's called voice. And with access to the internet and social media, we have the power to call out the injustice and create change. That's something our guests are here to discuss with me right after Dr. Donner's Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. Anthropological data has shown evidence that cannabis has been used for medical and cultural purposes since 4,000 years B.C. From that point onward, 
Marijuana had been a widely accepted medicine without incident until Prohibition began. In fact, in the United States, marijuana remained this way until 1971, when the Controlled Substances Act made it illegal. When states began adopting new medical marijuana policy, it came as good news for patients, especially those struggling with ongoing treatment difficulties and inadequacies for issues such as neurological and autoimmune conditions, chronic pain, and cancer, to name a few. It was also good news to doctors, researchers, and the medical community who were just beginning to understand the science and importance of cannabis to human health. But even in legal states, patients weren't entirely immune from federal prosecution until 2015 when the Obama administration restricted the DEA's authority to go after patients and healthcare providers in states that allow medical marijuana. Since then, Medical marijuana has helped thousands of patients cope with debilitating illnesses, injury, and emotional issues. Regulation has also proven beneficial on economic and social levels. So it came as a surprise that the Attorney General would ask congressional leaders to authorize the DEA to target patients in regulation states on the basis that marijuana is a dangerous drug that belongs on the Schedule One list alongside drugs like LSD and meth, which have no known medical use and a high potential for abuse. We have plenty of scientific evidence confirming that marijuana is a safe and effective medicine that has a low potential for abuse. In 2016, the National Academies of Sciences reviewed findings of current clinical and peer-reviewed studies and released a comprehensive report confirming that marijuana has legitimate medical applications. Despite the evidence and strong recommendations of the American Medical Association, the Institute of Medicine, and other esteemed medical science entities, the DEA has denied all petitions to remove marijuana from the Schedule I controlled substances list. As a physician, I believe it is in the best interest of everyone involved to make medical cannabis available to any patient who needs it for medical purposes. I sincerely hope that our congressional leaders act on truth with legislation to protect patients and state medical marijuana laws pending in the Senate. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week for another edition of the Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you so much, Dr. Donner. Thank you, Dr. Donner. I'll look forward to hearing from you next week. So let's get started. I am excited to introduce our guests. They are actually a husband and wife team who are working tirelessly in the state of Missouri to raise awareness and effect change. I'm excited to introduce our guests because they are working tirelessly in the state of Missouri to effect change. They are husband and wife team. We have Sergeant Josh Lee and his wife, Julia Lee. Josh is a, a member of the Missouri National Guard, and Julia is actually a licensed counselor who deals with families who are affected by trauma, so children and adults. And I want to say thank you to both of you for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us on. We appreciate the opportunity to share our story and help educate as many people as we can. So one thing I didn't mention is that um, you have an advocacy group. Tell me a little bit about that before we get started. Well, Veterans Alliance for Compassionate Access is a 501c4 dedicated to political and social reform through science and education by empowering veterans to find their voice. Basically what it boils down to is, you know, as a disabled veteran at the ripe age of 34, I've been hit with an unholy trifecta of PTSD, fibromyalgia, and arthritis. 
So while I can do nothing but stand back and applaud my brothers and sisters who respond to natural disasters and help continue to make a difference in the world after their military careers have ended, it still hurts a lot of veterans like myself who are physically limited in one way or another for whatever reason and don't feel like we have an opportunity to make a difference. So my wife and I founded Veterans Alliance for Compassionate Access in order to provide a way for veterans to have a voice again and to make a difference and to reach out to their elected officials and everyone involved in their state and federal government to show that, hey, we still do have a voice and we do still matter. You know, we've done a lot of investigating about some of the work that veterans are doing here and some of the sort of injustices that are happening with the Veterans Administration and in terms of blocking people from really having free access to cannabis in places where it's legal. And I can only imagine that in the state of Missouri, which really has not embraced any kind of uh, marijuana law reform at all, you know, Actually, I do want to point out that last year, Missouri did decriminalize small amounts of cannabis in multiple cities, as well as lowering the penalties for smaller amounts of cannabis. So no, there's not legislative true reform, but they are definitely not going the draconian direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's a really important point that you make. And and I guess what I'm referring to is actual out-and-out legalization, any kind of like ballot initiatives or legislation that makes it accessible to people in a legal fashion. But you're absolutely right, you know, and, and we cannot discount the efforts to decriminalize because that's, you know, a good right. chunk of it. That's And one of the things we've noticed that really harms the cannabis legalization efforts in this state and in others is when we fail to give our elected officials credit for the good they do. You know, making it so that it is a more minor offense to be caught with up to an ounce statewide, okay, yes, it's still a criminal action, but now it's no longer guaranteed jail time. That's a pretty big step for a conservative assembly, and we need to applaud them for that as opposed to just attack them for not doing enough. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right about that. And it's something that we sort of forget about when we're talking about passing meaningful laws to make it available to people who need it for medical purposes, especially. But I feel for people who do have access to all of this information Mm -hmm. and they're still just unable to go and try it out for themselves if they have conditions that could benefit from it. So from an advocacy point of view, what is it that you feel needs to happen in the state of Missouri? And I understand that there's a ballot initiative that's trying to get signatures right now, but what are some of the other efforts that you're able to do as an advocate? Well, actually, and don't get me wrong, I in no way, shape, or form discount the ballot initiatives. They've been a vital tool in the past, and they still continue to be a vital tool here in Missouri to this day. But our organization's goal is actually to legalize medical cannabis through legislative reform in 2018 by working to educate and inform our elected officials on the potential benefits of medical cannabis. Simply put, it's great if we can get it through a ballot initiative here in Missouri, But the next 19 states don't have that option. And they're all deeply conservatively controlled legislative assemblies. And my wife and I actually come from an Ozark Christian College background. We 
are conservative by nature, but this isn't a conservative issue. This is an issue based on science and data and research and publicly available information. Right. Well, something else, too, that I think was really interesting, and I was browsing through some of the materials that you have online, and you have GoFundMe campaign, you've got a lot of information out there. And one of the things that I found um, really interesting, and it might be instructive for people who are also living in states like Missouri that still need to have this education brought to the forefront so that the lawmakers can take action on it. But uh, using the church as a forum, too, to educate people, because, you know, often these things are positioned as marijuana is the devil's weed, (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it. And I just wonder, you know, how effective that is. It it must be. What I would say to that is most of the time that's not people that are – even call themselves evangelical Christians saying that. That's people assuming that's what Christians say. Um, We actually had a meeting with the leader of a church here in Jefferson City uh, last week, explained our stance, and we go through the historical view of cannabis both in the Bible, um, in the Middle East around the time when the historical context is put in place, uh, about how the endocannabinoid system is created in our bodies, how it interacts with us, what its true purpose lies in, This isn't a Christian issue. This isn't something even most people who call themselves Christians take umbrage at. In fact, polling nationwide, most evangelical Christians, I think it's on the order of over 70% support medical cannabis. Right. It's a medicine. It's a healing thing. They know that there's information. Most of them simply haven't had the information presented to them or haven't had the chance to acquire it. Right. Well, you know, when I was saying the devil's weed, that really came more from the political rhetoric, more so Correct. than from any did. kind of religious rhetoric. But it that kind of information does influence people over a period of 80 years. I mean, that's several generations who have had these sort of negative, stigmatized perceptions embedded in their brains. Just well, say I no. Mean, And that's why we find it so important to reach out to these different churches and even Bible colleges and try to inform them about our understanding of the science and data behind medical cannabis. Again, we're not here to accuse anyone or confront them or call them out. We're simply here to present science and data in an educational format. Yeah, and that's so very important. So, Julia, tell me, you you work with people who suffer from trauma, and no mm-hmm. doubt you've had access to the information that's available everywhere. What do you tell patients when they ask you your thoughts about medical marijuana and the fact that they can't get it where you are? Well, that is a very tricky question for any therapist because we have to be according to the state laws because our licensure is done through the state. Mm-hmm. So it gets very tricky when I have clients actually ask me that, and I have. And I have to go through the rhetoric of it is currently not legal in our state, and I therefore cannot recommend you utilizing something that could cause you to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they ask me about what I know about any of the science and data, I then refer them to different sources on the internet and explain to them that there is a lot of information out there and that, yes, the research has shown 
that it is effective for a lot of different areas, not just physical, but also mental health. Yeah. And, and it must be very frustrating for you as a, a professional practitioner to know and understand how uh, valuable cannabis can be to helping people with um, post-traumatic stress and, and other traumatic brain injuries and depression and all of that. I mean, how do you deal with that just, just from a personal level? Well, it's actually rather difficult, like you said, to be talking to these people. And I think what's more difficult isn't necessarily that they have the mental health issues, uh, because as a licensed professional counselor, I actually prefer the route of trying not to have people go on medication, if at all possible. And but what's really difficult is whenever you see the list of medications that these people are on, especially children. When you're seeing children being given SSRIs, benzos, and antipsychotics, it's just gut-riching. Or then you've got ADD kids that are pretty much, if you break down the chemical compound of what's in ADHD medication, is meth. Mm-hmm. And here we're feeding children all these medications that are actually not even technically designed for children. Right. And yet we're worried about cannabis. Yeah. Which all the research, the actual study that they try to say was that cannabis was bad for children was a very poorly done study because they didn't take into account of the social economic basis of the child. They didn't take into account for alcohol abuse or cigarette use or anything like that. And once they did factor in all those, there was no effect with medical cannabis. Yeah, it's just interesting. And, and especially with the advent of the opiate epidemic and the dangers, uh, there are just so many associated with- Well, you know, let me just touch on opiates and the opiate epidemic real quick there, Snowden. You know, as a veteran who was addicted to opiates, thanks to the pills the VA prescribed me, um, not that I'm blaming them, they're literally handing me the best medication legally available to them in this state. Right. But as someone who's hooked on opiates and who has gone through withdrawals as an adult for the first time in his life, you know, you look at studies released by the NIH and CDC showing that in states with medicinal cannabis use, Fatal opioid overdoses dropped 25% in the first 12 months. And by the time six years has rolled around, that number climbs as high as 34% reduction in opiate overdoses. Right. right. Um, state of Missouri lost over 1,100, almost 1,100 citizens to opiates in 2016, which means that's almost 200 lives we could save the first year this is in place. Right. And to put that in perspective, we've only sacrificed 98 of my brothers and sisters to the Iraq-Afghanistan war combined. Yeah. And um, someone was talking about the Vietnam War and how many people died throughout the entirety of that war. And we've lost, you know, at least twice as many just to opiates in the last several years. Over the you know, here's, here's a really sad, scary number talking about losing people. We've lost 9,000 soldiers to the Iraq-Afghanistan war combined so far. And we lose 7,700 soldiers a year to suicide. 
It's tragic, isn't it? Well, speaking to the topic of suicide, in states where they've implemented medical cannabis programs, they've actually seen a reduction in veteran suicides up to 50%. And we've got a study from Canadian, uh, from Canada on Canadian veterans, which, by the way, the Canadian government actually prescribes cannabis to their veterans three grams daily. But the study on veterans does an aggregate score um, compares their symptoms prior and after utilization of cannabis, the aggregate score reduction is a 59% reduction in overall PTSD symptoms with a 77% reduction in suicidal thoughts. So if we're so concerned about losing 7,700 veterans a year, 22 veterans a day, then implementing a medical cannabis program could potentially cut that number by half. That's an astonishing statistic. It is. It's a mind-numbing statistic, and it's one of the things that really rocks these legislators' world. And when you show up with a group of veterans presenting in a humble, non-confrontational manner, here's science, here's data, here's why veterans support this. Quite simply, veterans are tired of all the pills, and we're fighting for medical cannabis. Thank you for supporting veterans. Yeah. It makes it really hard to argue. It absolutely does. We actually held an event here, and we're going to do it again next year on Veterans Day. Taking signs and, and raising our voices during a Veterans Day parade right in front of the VA building. Yes, and I saw that on Facebook. I was, wish I could have been there this year, but unfortunately, we had too much other stuff going on in Missouri. We simply couldn't get away. Well, one of the things that was so incredibly powerful was to see the veterans who were marching in the parade come out of their formations to shake our hands and say thank you. It just drove home for us how important this is, especially for veterans and especially for people who do suffer with post-traumatic stress and trying to overcome all of these drugs that they're given uh, mm -hmm. to cope with their injuries, the pain that they feel, the depression that they feel, the suicidal tendencies that are sometimes exacerbated by some of these drugs. And what I'm hoping is that by next year, we can have more of these rallies to promote veteran rights and access to cannabis in other cities besides just Phoenix. I just think it's such an important movement. And so much of the time, veterans are denied just basic services, even though on a federal level, the government said that if veterans live in a state where cannabis is legal, that they shouldn't lose their VA benefits by opting to take cannabis, but often they're finding that they are stigmatized by their files when they right. do and have cannabis one of the in their biggest system. Things, one of the biggest things I would say, it's not even necessarily the VA's stigma, because even in states where it's not legal, they still, I know it is a common fear among veterans, but the VA has flat out said they cannot file a police report, they cannot interfere with your benefits, et cetera, et cetera, based on cannabis usage, even in states where it's not legal, okay? They can mess with the prescriptions they hand you and say, if you're going to take cannabis, you don't get opiates, but they can't take away your actual veteran benefits. Mm -hmm. But speaking of the stigma, honestly, really, truly, I really do believe that one of the biggest problems with cannabis usage in America is the stigma attached to it when speaking about veterans. Mm -hmm. We already have a host of mental health issues. We already suffer from paranoia and depression, anger, crippling feelings of loneliness and, and isolation. And the only thing that helps us, we're told, will make us eat it because we got the munchies. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't even come out and talk to people about this without being called 
stoners and you're just doing it to get high. Yeah, and that's something that those of us living in states where it's legal, you know, it's, it's hard to remember those days. When I first started writing about cannabis, it was 2010. And you think about it, it's not that long ago, seven years ago. And I remember as I was writing the first articles for a national platform about hemp, the consternation that I got from peers and, and even family members who were like, you're nuts, you know, you're going to see the black SUVs pull up and somebody's going to arrest you for calling out all of the egregious mistruths that led to prohibition in the first place. And, right. you know, and as you pointed out, the access to the free and open knowledge that is the Internet has basically liberated our society from a lot of those shackles and stigma. Right. You know, how I got my start was I took a picture at the urging of my wife of a nine and a half pound bag of Smarties representing one for every pill the VA feeds me a year. It went viral. And ultimately, that's the reason why I got invited to your show today is because of the Internet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how we found you. (laughs) So it's and it is pretty amazing. And um, it's a beautiful thing that we all have access. But you know, if you were ever a kid who was sick, looking at all your friends in a swimming pool and you wished that you could jump in too, that frustration is a very minor example of how one might feel looking through the lens of the internet. Looking through the lens of the internet at all this data, all this knowledge about why, sh- why isn't it legal? And then compound that with, you know, this year, my wife and I celebrated our 15-year anniversary by going on our first honeymoon to Colorado, where I got to try cannabis for the first time. Wow. I did it safely. I did it in concordance and speaking with my VA physicians about how to safely step down the medications. We we never advocate cold turkey on nothing. But I went out there, and I got a chance to try cannabis. For me, it was medical. And I got to experience the world again. I got to hold her hand in public and not worry about if I was a target. And I got to sit with my back to the door, which sounds like a minor thing, but it's really not. And then I had to come home. And I think that alone is probably far worse than just being able to look. It's being able to realize what a difference this could truly make in the lives of not only your family, but the family members of those you most care about and deployed with. And then realizing that it makes you a criminal in your state. And you don't have a choice. And also, you know, realizing that the reason that we have armed forces is to protect our freedoms. And it's criminal that when they come home, their freedoms are limited when it comes to getting well. We need to take a quick break. The Cannabis Reporter will be right back. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. 
you're busy. Running around from work to kids to evening events, healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra. For only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids, by the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. Listening to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Welcome back. Okay, so we're here with Joshua and Julia Lee. Julia, I have a I have a question for you. In your profession, when you talk to peers who are also in counseling and deal with people who suffer with post-traumatic stress, how often do you talk about the possibilities of cannabis? Quite often. Actually, majority of therapists are for it because we understand that, A, okay, so a lot of your mental health medications, you cannot just cut off cold turkey and it takes a really long time to step down medications. Mm -hmm. Or adjust them in any way since you have to go see a psychiatrist first. So with medical cannabis... The idea of being able to do therapy with someone and they can step themselves back without having to go to a psychiatrist is just phenomenal. I mean, the whole purpose of doing mental health therapy is to try and help people get to the point where they don't have those symptoms anymore Mm -hmm. and they don't need the medication anymore. But with regular medication, it's really hard to do that. As well, when you look at the effectiveness of what veterans and civilians alike are being prescribed versus the effectiveness of medical cannabis and the list of symptoms and side effects that go along with it, is it really any surprise that so many of her co-workers are chatting about medical cannabis and why it'd be a wonder drug compared to the crap their patients are already on? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And the majority of therapists that have actually worked with uh, veterans... I don't know about inside the VA, VA system, but outside the VA system, they're, they would love to just see medical cannabis actually get legalized because of how much they can see that it helps the veterans. Yeah. And that it does. I mean, we see it here a lot. And there's actually a study that is underway right now, which we talked about a few weeks ago with a couple of veterans that were on the show And actually, I had interviewed the doctor who's in charge of that study last year. Dr. Sisley? Dr. Sisley. That's right. Actually, we had the privilege of picking her up from the airport when she came out here a few months ago. And we were there taking her into some of the senators and representatives' offices through the Capitol. And we were there through some of her presentations out here in Missouri. So we actually got to know Dr. Sisley quite well. And she is a fantastic supporter of veterans. You know, and it's an absolute shame that the federal government has put such onerous restrictions in the way of a medical cannabis trial, yet at the same time, and don't get me wrong, it's a great thing, but you look at the fact that in Boulder, Colorado, they just released the preliminary results of clinical trials for MDMA, and the FDA flat out called it groundbreaking, revolutionary, and fast-tracked it. Yeah. So you see all these obstacles in the way of Dr. Sicily's amazing study, which still needs veterans to sign up for it, 
and yet MDMA is getting fast-tracked while it's still being thrown about on the nightly news as a party drug? There's a huge dichotomy here that's just not being talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a shame. And, and I know that her study has been blocked on numerous occasions and the incredible hoops that she's had to jump through just to be able to move forward with this is just unacceptable. And I'm hoping, though, that now that she is moving forward and I'm hoping that she gets the number of veterans that she needs to uh, move forward on the study. And once it's done, I think that that will apply more pressure to our federal legislators to take some serious action. And I know that there are a number of people in Congress right now who have bills that have introduced and reintroduced several times right. over. Like, so. like uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii, a, another veteran who keeps reintroducing a bill to legalize or to deschedule medical cannabis, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then there's, there's one that's uh, veterans access legislation. There's one that's called the Carers Act. That yeah. is, um, also there's a lot of people up there fighting for veterans, but there's a lot more people that simply don't seem to think it's a priority. And that's a shame when, you know, over 50% of the Republicans in the country consider medical cannabis a priority. And, you know, nationwide, almost 80% of the population considers it a priority. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is not a partisan issue whatsoever. But what it is that can be perceived as a partisan issue. It's one of those heavily funded lobby issues. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, so in other words, you've got the pharmaceutical lobby that doesn't want to see it legalized. You've got the forestry lobby that doesn't want to see it legalized. The, the prison lobby, the private prison lobby. You've got the alcohol lobby. You've got... Um, Don't forget big corn. Big corn and oil. From Missouri being a corn state. The number one ethanol producer in the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big corn is most definitely anti-cannabis, anti-hemp due to the ethanol production capabilities in hemp and cannabis both. Yeah, and the oil lobby because, you know, hemp is a great resource for things like plastic and textiles and auto fuel and... And That's one of the other things we're actually fighting for here in Missouri is industrial hemp. And truth be told, there's very, very few people up on the Capitol Hill here in Missouri right now who don't think we're going to get industrial hemp pushed through the legislature in 2018. Right. You know, prior to 1936, Missouri used to be the world's leading producer in hemp. And everyone talks about the Northern Cali, Southern Oregon grow climates. No, that's all of Missouri. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I I'm, I think the possibilities for cannabis are huge in this country, and you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of other countries out there that have really moved forward with the research and all of that, and they're much farther ahead than we are. But in states like Missouri, uh, where family farms have been struggling for many years, mm-hmm. hemp really could provide economic opportunity that is unlike anything that they've had happen in their in generations. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, let me tell you let me tell you a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. I've got a veteran who lives just south of Jefferson City. Mm-hmm. He had a 15-acre farm. The 15 ac- the farmhouse was up on a hill, the 15 acres was down below and it flooded 2 to 3 times a year. You know, so not really good for planting anything, but it was his land and he enjoyed it. 
And long story short, due to financial circumstances, he wound up having to sell the farm because the house needed repairs and there's nothing he could grow on the land. Nobody would buy it because it floods out. But we've been sitting here talking for the last couple months about how if he could have planted industrial hemp, literally with the ability to harvest it five to nine times a year here in Missouri, that alone would have made his land payments and then some. And it's such a deep-rooted system that even when it does flood, it wouldn't have washed away his topsoil. It requires no fertilizer. It actually renews the soil. And lo and behold, it's harvest time in 29 to 36 days. This is absolutely something that I've got veterans all over Missouri coming to me, begging me, saying, please help us get industrial hemp through. I've got one acres, three acres, seven and a half acres. I just want to grow a couple acres of industrial hemp. That's going to make my mortgage payments all year long. Oh, yeah. And it does grow in adverse conditions. You know, that's, that's the beauty of you. it. And it doesn't cost a lot because it doesn't require so many pesticides. And it, it grows with little water and in any it's, soil, and it'll remediate. For a reason, it grows like one. Yeah. Up in north, up in parts, certain parts of Missouri, there's places where farmers have to walk down the ditches with flamethrowers and burn it out of their fields. Isn't that a shame? I'm not joking. Um, we've got the Katy Trail is a pretty famous walking trail here in Mid Missouri, and it's built on an old railroad line. Well, you talk to the guys that were being taken on field trips on it from Jefferson City, you know, a couple decades ago, and they're like, yeah, the teachers were pointing out the hemp plants that were growing from the seeds dropped by the hemp bales that were running down the Katy Trail. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is history. This is science. This is data. This is a booming, burgeoning industry. And honestly, it's going to save so many lives. Yeah. Well, save save their health, save their level of prosperity. It provides a medical can't one. All right. So real quick, Veterans Alliance for Compassionate Access. We're actually fighting for three things, physical health for veterans, mental health and economic opportunity. And right now in the state of Missouri, medical cannabis dovetails into all three of those quite neatly. You know, it helps us get off all these pills and provide a boost to our physical health. Mm-hmm. It helps reduce the mental health symptoms, and it can provide an economic opportunity for all these small farmers and local businesses that would have to be involved. Yeah, and we've seen that in states like Colorado and Washington and Alaska and, you know, anywhere where it's legalized. Hemp is an amazing substance, but, you know, cannabis in general is... You know, I like to think of it as, you know, God's gift to humankind <laughs> in a way. And Well, if you want to look at the actual science and data behind it, you know, if we're talking about cannabinoids and terpenes, those are present in just about every other plant on the face of the earth, yes, but it's only in cannabis and hemp that you find them concentrated in such high clusters. And keep in mind, we've got archaeological records showing that this was being cultivated before wheat. Oh, yeah. So this was that important a product. It could heal the body, soothe the soul, create pants. Mm -hmm. I mean, what can't it be used for? It's an amazing opportunity. And real quick, I did want to touch on how we're talking about working it here in Missouri. Um, One thing we noticed is that a lot of other states, people get up to talk to their representatives and senators and argue about how cannabis should be legal when realistically... That's not typically their job. 
I'm no legal expert and I don't live in other states, but here in Missouri, you know, Missouri Revised Statute 195.015 says it's the Department of Health and Senior Services job to make laws regarding drugs and drug policies based on the most up-to-date science and medical data and published articles available. That means it's not actually these deeply worried legislature's job to argue how it should be legal. It's only their job to argue whether or not it should be legal. And it's up to the government departments, whose job it is to make these determinations, to decide what the best practice for their state is. Right. And we've been going around talking to people on both sides of the aisle, and even the ones who are anti-cannabis, when we present them with this science and this data, and we go, look, you, you know you can't stop this. You can't stand in the way, but you can manage it. And you can provide the best opportunity for your citizens. And we're getting a lot of positive feedback up on the Capitol Hill. That's good news. You know, we're working... If you go to our website, you'll see pictures of us with the governor of Missouri, who is a combat veteran. You'll see a picture of the lieutenant governor of Missouri, who's also a combat veteran, presenting a challenge coin, which is a token of, of commemoration or honor um, to our director of operations, Elizabeth Roberts, at the lieutenant governor's Veterans Day kickoff rally at the Capitol, where we were demonstrating some of our materials about why veterans are fighting for medical cannabis. I mean, this is the lieutenant governor's event, and he's there presenting a coin in honor of our director of operations efforts on behalf of veterans yeah. in front of our table about medical cannabis. We've got the highest percentage of elected officials that are combat veterans out of any state. I mean, we've got a lot of support going on in the Capitol. Whether or not people realize it outside this state, that's not my problem. Right. Well, you know, I think that it's everyone's responsibility to talk about what they know, make sure that if someone is spreading false information about cannabis that is contributing to the negative stigma, speak up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really important these days. And, you know, share online with networks because... You know, every, every person that learns about this is going to affect change if they talk about it. If they talk about what they learn, they know the truth. Once you know the truth, you can't put it back in the shadows. You exactly. You, you, and one thing I would say, a tool for that, for anybody that would be interested who happens to be listening, mm -hmm. if you visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash veterans for access, pinned to the top of our Facebook page is a link to our Google Drive. In that Google Drive is over two thousand pages of studies data reports analysis they're separated into folders so one is the complex dense data and studies that is full of numbers and it's you know it takes a while to slog through right the other one is the studies and reports and a lot of them are from the federal government on the efficacy of medical cannabis as a medicine mm -hmm. and we have a third folder called vodka handouts which is a lot of the easy to digest numbers and handouts and here's the charts and graphics about the opiates overdoses and the PTSD relief symptoms and you know cannabis in history and things of like that those are all on there so if they visit facebook.com slash veterans for access or veteransforaccess.org they can actually access that Google Drive folder and download or print them off anytime they want yeah you know what I will I will post that online on this episode so that people can actually go and take a look at it. I'll post the Facebook page and well, I appreciate then they, that. Can, they can find if it. 
if you were going to post any one thing, I'd say probably the Vodka handout folder because that's the one that's only got you know half a dozen articles in there that are the simple, easy to digest stuff, and the other stuff they can find in the other folders. Yeah. Okay. Well. I'm getting a, a visual signal here that it is time for us to start to wrap it up. Do you have any quick last thoughts, Julia? Mm, well, basically, I, I, what I say is I always want to emphasize that what we're fighting for first is medical cannabis because we think that is the most effective way to get the best help for our veterans right now. And that when this does become legal... That doesn't mean we go away. We are going to continue to fight for veterans' rights and all the issues that we can and do what we can to help veterans. What it boils down to is when we set out to start this foundation, we started looking at other veterans' organizations in other states and how they'd accomplish their goals. And we noticed this really disturbing trend where veterans got together and literally changed history and then disappeared because that was the only thing they were focused on. So that's why Veterans Alliance for Compassionate Access is focused on being a voice for veterans. Yes, we are getting medical cannabis legal in Missouri first because that's what our veterans want first. We're then going to be fighting to get it legal in the other states because that's what veterans in those states want. Right. But at the same time, that's when we're going to be working on other issues that are so vitally important to veterans here in Missouri. Mental health access, uh, improved physical care, all these things that maybe people don't know about or maybe veterans don't have the chance to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too often we are trotted out as nothing more than political shills to gather a vote or a signature and then told to sit down and shut up. And as veterans, we're simply tired of that. It's well, time for us to stand up and take a voice. And you deserve better than that. And I have to say thank you for your service. Thank you for helping those who deserve our thanks for their service. And well, we'll do everything in our power to help to instigate change so that they can get the help that they deserve and need and earned. So, well, thank you. We appreciate that. Any of your listeners that feel that they'd like to support us as well, feel free to visit GoFundMe.com slash Veterans for Access, F-O-R, not the number four. <laughs> and honestly, right now, we've come this far on public platforms and internet and what little we can scrape out of a disabled veteran's spare salary. Yeah. We need help. We need support. And we're so grateful for everyone that has already supported us so far. Yeah. Well, and we live in a free society where we have access to amazing amounts of information and we need to use it. Otherwise, it's uh, wasted. So thank you again. One and quick takeaway thought. Speaking of vast amounts of information, we have my wife and I have two sons, age 13 and 10. They are the first generation of children growing up with the access to the sum total of all human knowledge in the palm of their hands 24-7. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's an amazing future we've got waiting for us. <laughs> well, that brings it full circle. So... Oh, thank you both. I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Snow. I really appreciate it. Sorry for the dog-inspired interruption. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So no doubt we'll be hearing from you again. So, 
Oh, once again, it is time to bring another show to a close. Also, I wanted to just mention, if you or someone you know happens to be a veteran in crisis or having suicidal thoughts, we urge you to contact the Veterans Crisis Line at 800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255. This line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we also encourage you to reach out and talk. Talk to someone and just keep the courage to fight for this issue with cannabis because It is coming. We have some change in our future. I'd personally like to thank my guests, Joshua and Julia Lee, for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work they're doing in Missouri, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click podcast to find today's episode. I will post their bios along with information about the Google Drive folder with all of the information, links to their websites, a link to the Facebook page where you can find all of that information, and also a link to their GoFundMe page. We have a lot of other people to thank. First, I would like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Hemp Meds, Compassionate Certification Centers, and Health Terra. We couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update. He'll be back again next week with another edition. And of course, it goes without saying how much we appreciate our producer, Ed, and engineer, Craig, who's on our board today. Thank you for making us shine here at Star Worldwide Networks. Many thanks to Joseph at Society Bites Radio and to our program director, Steve, at XRQK Radio Network for sharing our show and making this accessible to everyone around the nation. And last but not least... Thank you to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop inviting you to join us again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is always Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit HempMeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy. Running around from work to kids to evening events, healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra For only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids, by the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com.